So we're in a teaching series called Songs That Inspire, and we are looking uh, at different uh, psalms during the course of this series. It's been an interesting, like, seven months or so, hasn't it? It's been a very different period of time. Uh, I must say, I really appreciate, I really appreciate the fact that uh, several weeks in, you're all sticking with um, the guidelines that we try to help everybody with. I really appreciate that. Um, from what I've heard with a lot of churches, after a couple of weeks, people stop bothering. There is still a pandemic going on, and we do need to be cautious. So thanks for you know, keeping your distance. Thanks for wearing your mask right the way. I know they're annoying. If you wear your glasses, they're doubly annoying. Trust me, I know that, but I really appreciate you doing that. And um, leaving service gradually and not lingering. Linger all you like in the parking lot. It's a beautiful Sunday morning again. Linger all you like out in the open air. But we just, you know, we got to be careful. And I know people have got different ideas. And some folks think this is crazy. It's ridiculous. It's a plot by the government to keep us down. Whatever you think, that's fine. But you know what? In this house, we'll just look out for each other. Okay? All right. So while we're here, we will just look out for each other. And uh, I appreciate you doing that. I was reading, I was reading the other week in the, in the 1500s, the bubonic plague hit Europe. And when the bubonic plague passed through Europe, before it was over, 60 million people died. 60 million. It wiped out two-thirds of the population of Europe. Around 1527, it hit Germany. And a lot of people in Germany just felt the best thing they could do was escape and kind of like move someplace and leave the country. And, and there was like this massive exodus from cities right across Germany. And it was understandable. If you caught the bubonic plague, the black plague, you were dead within two weeks. But during that time, the great Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, and his wife, Catherine, you know, they were there in Germany, and they had to make a decision, what would they do? And they decided that they were not going to run. They decided that they would stay put, and they felt God told them that this was an opportunity for them to serve others and to show his love. So they turned their home into a hospital, and they spent a lot of time ministering to people who were shut in and affected by the plague. And it was during that time that Martin Luther wrote a hymn that became one of the kind of old standard hymns of the church that I think some of you will know of. And it starts like this, a mighty fortress is our God. And that's when he wrote it. They're right in the middle of this plague that was going to wipe out two-thirds of Europe in this situation where he's with people who have got the plague and trying to help them. And the confession of this man of God was, a mighty fortress is our God. I love, there's one verse of that hymn I particularly love, and it's, it goes like this. It says, and though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, 
We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. It's like, you know, looking the devil right in the face and saying, if the whole world was full of devils, so what? Reminds me of the, the great British preacher, Smith Wigglesworth, who said one day he woke up in the morning and uh, when he woke up, he, 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 it was early in the morning. He looked and he thought he saw the devil standing at the foot of his bed. And he looked and said, oh, it's only you. And he went back to sleep. Which brings us to songs that inspire this morning. Psalm 91, that many of you will be familiar with. And I'm going to quote it from the King James, because that's, that's what I do. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. I'm going to read that again. That is fantastic stuff. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Okay, now I've said it twice. Now some of you need to say it. Now, some of you really need to say that this morning because you need to really start speaking truth that will build you up here and a confession that states who you are. So we're going to do it one more time together. If you're sitting home on your sofa, that, you're included. Okay, we're ready? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. That is fantastic. I kind of feel we could leave it there and go home, but I've got plenty of time to preach, so I'm going to use it. But, but isn't, isn't that a fantastic statement? Isn't that something that's important to remind ourselves of? And that's why... Taking time on a Sunday morning to worship and focus on God is so important because it reminds us of eternal truth. And that opening statement to Psalm 91 is, is really an introduction to everything that then follows on because the writer then goes on to describe the blessedness of the person who lives close to God. The person who makes God his friend, who lives in close relationship with God. It's a bit like a verse we saw a couple of weeks ago when we were looking in Psalm 27. Psalm 27 verse 5 says, In the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And if today is a day of trouble for you, here's the promise of God's word. He will hide you. He will hide you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. The place of just trusting. 
the place of faith in God, the place where hope is alive and well, a place where fear and doubt don't enter, a place of closeness to God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. I'll talk in a minute about what that's about, what it perhaps means. But before we look at that, this psalm actually starts by directing our attention to God. And the first thing about living in a place of security and of peace is remembering who God is. That really is the first step. The first step is remembering who God is. And it's quite interesting that in these opening two verses of Psalm 91, God is described actually in four different ways. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. The Most High. The, the Most High is, is a, a Hebrew word. It's the name Elion. And it emphasizes God's uniqueness. God's supremacy above all others. You see, there are a lot of believers who suffer with LGS. You don't know what LGS is, so I'll tell you. It's little God syndrome. There, there are way too many Christians who suffer with little God syndrome. They really do. Because they think if a thing's too big for them, then they're sunk. Because if it's too big for me, it must be too big for God. But the reality is, if it's too big for me, that's just where God takes over. He who dwells in the secret place of Elion, the Most High, the one who's above everything, the creator of heaven and earth, the owner of everything, not just the mighty God, the almighty God. He is the sovereign, he is the controller of everything. Psalm 47 and verse 2 says this, For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great king over all the earth. The Lord Most High. And to be in that place of peace starts with reminding ourselves who God is. God is the Lord Most High. He who, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty. I am totally sold out on finding ways in which we can serve others for Jesus. Now, we do that in-house. I referred earlier to the, the, the outreaches we have from here, and we've got a huge team of people who are involved in making that all happen. Normally, about this time of year, we'd be getting ready for a missions team to go from here down to the Dominican Republic and serve down there. I'm totally sold out on reaching out because it made such an impact on my life when I was quite young. I was 16 years old when my pastor asked us as a youth group if any of us was interested in going on a missions trip with him. And I was always ready for everything like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go. Of course, at 16, then you've got to go home and ask your mother if she'll finance it. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So, so I said, yeah, and we were going to we were gonna go to Belgium, which kind of wasn't a million miles from home, but it seemed to be just across the English Channel. 
And we went there to a, to a, a church, a country where Protestant churches were few and far between. And uh, we arrived in a little town called Mukron, and we were out one morning, and we went, we went in this huge church in Mukron, and we, we were looking around. My pastor had a way of, he never told you stuff, he asked you questions and wanted you to find out for yourself, which is good when you look back, but it sometimes got annoying. So, so he said to me, what do you notice, especially in this church? I didn't know. It's like, and I'm trying to find out what am I meant to say, you know? And I'm racking my brain and I said, what exactly do you mean? He said, take a look at all these beautiful pictures around the place. What do you notice about these pictures? And they had pictures about different parts of the life of Christ and, and, and whatever else. And, 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 and I looked, I said, I, I guess they're old. He said, yeah, but what do you notice about them? It was annoying. Because they were pictures. I'm not a big picture person. I don't do art galleries. Or I might for about 10 minutes. And then, yep, good, they're pretty. I'm done. Um, and then he said, if you look at every one of those pictures, you will see that Jesus is either a baby in Mary's arms or he's on the cross. And that's all it shows. He said, what you will notice is that in every one of those pictures, Jesus is helpless. He said, there's not a picture of the resurrected Christ. There's not a picture of Christ in his glory. There's not a picture in Jesus, of Jesus performing miracles. In every one of those pictures, Jesus is helpless. Now, once he's told me, I knew the answer. It was obvious. I could see it too now. And I realized it. But, but, but here's the thing I want to say to you. you. You know what? Please, 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 don't live and don't think as if Jesus is helpless because he is not. He is not. He is the Almighty. One of the classic stories of the Old Testament is the story of Abraham, whom God said would bless with, 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 with a whole multitude of descendants. And uh, Abraham's getting older and doesn't even have any children. And, and here's what it says in Genesis 17 and verse 1. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Okay, so we're thinking of this. You're going to have tons of kids. He is 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. I am God Almighty. You just do what you're meant to do. And sometimes we can be freaking out and running around in circles trying to make things happen and getting no nearer to a solution. And what we need to do actually is we need to just pause, take a breath and hear him say, I am God Almighty. You're not and that's okay. I am God Almighty. Just walk before me the way you're meant to. Live the life you're meant to. Get on with that. And God would take care of the rest. In fact, in verse 4, it says, God said this. He said, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. He said, I'll take care of stuff. I am God Almighty. 
He is the Most High. He is the Almighty. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. So here's the third name of God that there is in the opening of Psalm 91. And, and the, the Lord is the word that you perhaps will have heard of as Yahweh. It is the most sacred name of God. It, it is the, the name of God that, that the, the uh, religious Jewish person would not use and would not mention and looks upon as too holy to be spoken. The Lord, Yahweh, which literally simply means I am. Na names are very significant in the Bible. That's why talking about Abraham, it was kind of embarrassing. He had no kids, but his name meant the father of a multitude. Eve means living, which is kind of suitable because she was basically the mother of all living people. Jesus means Savior. And that's a fitting name. Names were particularly important. So here, way back in the Old Testament, is here's Moses minding his own business, looking after sheep. And God speaks to him. And God says, my people are prisoners in Egypt. And I want you to go and tell Pharaoh, um, you've got to let my people go. And Moses is thinking, well, how will Pharaoh believe me? Uh, and how will even all the people of Israel believe that this is you speaking? So he said, God, just tell me who you are. And he's looking for something like more descriptive. He's looking for something far broader. And God just says to him, tell them I am sent me. I don't need to explain myself. I don't need to describe myself. In fact, I don't need anything. I am. I am. Tell them I am sent me. And I want to just remind you this Sunday morning, the God who we serve is the I am. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. He is God and that's it. The Lord. The Most High. The Almighty. I will say of the Lord. And then the fourth thing that is used, name that is used, he said, I will say of the Lord, he is my God. That's the general word. But what is so different here is the writer says, I will say he is my God. There's, there's interesting... There's an interesting thing I look for when I have conversations with people who are newish to our church because often the conversations will go like this. That I, folks will chat about the church and I'll say, you know, and, and they'll say, well, what I love about your church is this, this, this. What I enjoyed about your church is this, this, this. And I listen and I take note because I am looking for the day when a transition takes place. When that person no longer says what I like about your church is this, but when I hear them say, and this is always a good day for me, when a person says what I like about our church. 
And when people make the switch from talking to me about your church to talking to me about our church, I know at that point in time, they, they really have embraced a sense of belonging because they're no longer looking at themselves as an outsider who visits. They are now describing themselves as somebody actually who is a part of the family of God. That is Genesis. I love that. And there's a world of difference between it. When I was a young boy with a real interest in God, I accumulated a lot of information about God and about the Bible stories um, from the church I went to, from kids' ministries I went to. Um, but I was very aware, at, at, even, even at like 10 or 11 years of age, I was aware of this. It was like I knew tons about God up there or God in here, but there's something missing. And I had no idea what that was, but I was aware of something that was missing. And, and, and thank God there came the day when I discovered what it was that was missing. And what it was that I lacked was I knew about God and not my God. And you could talk about your God, but actually he wasn't my God. In Psalm 48 and verse 14, it says this, this God is our God. Folks, this is the most important part, to be able to say, God is our God. God is my God. He, this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Psalm 91, going back there. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God. In Him will I trust. And I thank God this Sunday morning that I can stand here and tell you, He is my God and in Him I will trust. And I just trust for you. That's, you know, that's the position we need to be in, that, that he is my God, and in him I will trust. There came the day, thank God, where my pastor opened a Bible and showed me a verse I'd never seen before in the first chapter of John's Gospel in the 12th verse. It says, to all who received him, that is Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I thank God that that day, I asked Christ to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. I received him. And to all who received him, he gave the right. And I became child of God. If God is out there or in here, and that's the end of it today for you, I want to encourage you to make this Sunday morning the morning that you open your heart and say, Lord God, come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. My God. Make it personal. Psalm 91 starts by reminding us who God is. 
And then it talks about remaining close to God, right? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Now, if you're not careful, you can tie yourself up in knots trying to work out, I wonder what exactly that means. Where is the secret place of the Most High? How do I get there? Now, I'm a pretty simple, down-to-earth kind of guy. At least I like to think I am. And those of you who are polite enough to listen to me on a regular basis, no, I'm a pretty simple preacher too. So let's not complicate this. Let's keep it pretty simple. And let's say this. You know what the Bible's talking about? It's talking about living close to God. Living close to God. Jill and I went out, I don't know, five or six weeks ago, I guess, one Sunday evening. We decided we'd go out to eat. So we went to a restaurant. We, we, we kind of thought later we hadn't been to it probably in over 20 years. So we, we went to this restaurant. And uh, when I walked in, I'm kind of scoping the place out to see how they've got the tables. And, and it looked okay because there was like a booth with the booth left empty in between. And uh, the tables were well-spaced. And I said, can, I have a, can we have a table over there by the window? I, I'm notorious for not accepting the first table they show you. Um, so, so I said, can we sit by the window? And she said, yeah, sure. So we go sit there and there's nobody near us and it's really good. And it's, you know, it's comfortable, happy to be there. Food was extremely good. But then as time went by, more and more people were coming in. And then there was a table beside us and there was a big party came. So they added some tables and a table and some more chairs. And then I'm looking and thinking, those people are about two feet from us. And then behind us, there were some booths that were empty when we came in, but the booths filled up, and, and these people were no more than two or three feet from us. And suddenly, I'm like, now don't get me wrong, I'm not paranoid, but I try to be smart. I'm like, I'm glad we're almost done, because I'm going to get out of here. They were too close. You know how I knew they were too close? I could see them. I could hear them. You know, when, do, you ever, do, you, do you ever kind of be standing somewhere and you actually sense somebody's behind you? I could sense them. How do you know you're close to God? You can hear Him. You can see Him. You can sense His presence. I'm not talking about hearing God literally. I'm not talking about seeing a figure. But what I'm saying here in Psalm 91, where it talks about living in the secret place of the Most High, is living in a place where God's close. And you know God's close when you're living aware of Him. When you're living conscious of His presence. When you're living and you, you do hear Him talking to you. That's the place of security and of safety. Jesus talked quite a lot about this in John's Gospel in chapter 15. Um, he used the figure of, he said, uh, he said, it's like I'm a vine and you're the branches. And in verse 4 he said this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. 
So Jesus is saying, you know what? You need to kind of just live connected and live close to me. And sometimes when we get ourselves all bent out of shape and when we find ourselves going down some of the, the wrong roads, the reason for that is very simply that we're not living as connected to Jesus as we need to be and perhaps as we once were. And my question today is, how close are you? Have you ever been closer? Is there a place of connectedness to God you need to get back to? Living in the secret place of the Most High. Because you can be going through the motions of the right things, but still be distant. Remaining close to God. And then the third thing, which is really the bulk of the psalm that comes after this. So it sets us up remembering who God is. It talks about remaining close to God, living in that closeness to the Lord. And then the rest of the psalm is all about reaping the rewards. And and, um, it's Psalm 91. Please read it. You may say, oh, I know it is my favorite. No, I didn't say, is it your favorite? I said, read it. Read it. Remind yourself of it today. Please remind yourself of it today. Read it several times because you know what? When we read good stuff, we don't generally grasp everything it's saying first time through. Remind yourself of it. Psalm 91. When you're living close to God, here's what it says. Verse 3. We're going to jump over to the messages. Paraphrase now. It says, that's right. Here's what happens. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. Are you listening? Because some of you, I really believe, need to hear this today. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing, not the wild wolves at night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon. Listen, even though others succumb all around, drop like flies right and left, you listening? No harm will graze you. That's the Word of God. That is the promise of God to you and I this morning. And God says this, if we're living in close relationship with him, then here's the deal. People might be dropping like flies around about us, but God says, I'm going to take care of you. And that's the promise of God to us. And then in verse 9, yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very home, Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. Now you may be sitting there and say, you don't know the chaos I left at home this morning. But I want to tell you this. Whatever chaos there might be in the moment, it's not going to harm you. Because God said harm can't get through the door. 
Sure, life's a struggle at times. Life is very difficult at times. But the promise is, you're not going to get harmed. Verse 11. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. Okay, I don't understand the whole angel thing. All right, does that, I hope that doesn't disqualify me from standing here talking today. I don't claim to understand everything in the book, but I believe it all. I believe it all. So you say, well, what are angels like and how are angels? And uh, you know what? There are some descriptions in the Bible in different places what angels are like. But you, you know what? Let's not get sidetracked into what angels look like. Let's get sidetracked into what angels do. And God says, I've got angels and I've told them to take care of you. And I've told them to watch over you so that actually you don't get hurt. And that even if you stumble, that actually you're not going to fall flat on your face. They're going to catch you. You're going to get up again and you're going to keep going. I don't understand the whole significance of that. But I want to tell you that this, through all the years I've followed Jesus, it's worked pretty well. It's worked pretty well. I want to tell you, I've tripped up plenty of times, but God's always called me. I've messed up plenty of times. But God's always grabbed me out. The blessings of those that are living close to God. Now, don't drive yourself nuts. With, oh, I guess I need to start. I need to get closer to God. I need to start doing this. I need to start doing that. I need, and make yourself huge promises you won't keep and feel a bigger failure. Here's what you really need to do. Just make sure that you live aware of God's presence. That you live listening for His voice. And that you live talking to Him too. Because those who live close to God are under the shadow of His care. And He is most high, the almighty, the Lord, but best of all, he is my God. Let's pray together. As, as we pray this morning, I just want to particularly speak for a second to those of you who maybe drifted in your relationship with God. Or maybe you never really had a proper relationship with God for yourself. And I want to encourage you to make this morning the morning you open your heart to God afresh. And say, God, I want you to be in my life as an intimate part of my life. God, I want to live close to you. God, I want to live close to you. Father, help every one of us, I pray, to be living close to you.
and aware then of the security and safety that is ours because of who you are. Speak peace to troubled hearts this morning. My God, I pray. Speak strength to those that feel weak. Speak hope to those that are despairing. In Jesus' name, amen.